everybody. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the Wednesday edition of the show. We've got uh, a lot of fun things to cover. We're actually going to redraft 2018 draft class. And then we're going to continue our, uh, our our season, our schedule review uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders and the Buffalo Bills. Lots to cover today. And here to help me do that are my dear pals. Uh, first, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? You guys all heard that pause right there. Kent has already almost forgotten all the little people. He has already completely, <laughs> almost completely forgotten who I am because he is just reaching new heights of stardom. You heard the um in there. There was a hesitation. But besides that, I'm doing pretty good. This is kind of a loose Tuesday night recording for us, usually behind the curtains a little bit. The weekend recording we do on Sunday nights usually a little bit looser. We hang out a little bit more, and during the week, it's more business-like. I feel like that's kind of flipped this week. Sunday, we were really matter of the fact. We got in here, out of the podcast, recording pretty quick for you know us. Tonight just seems a little bit looser, a little bit more laid back, so I'm interested to see where this, uh, this Tuesday night takes us, Craig. Yeah, we're going to find out. Um, Matt's right. Normally, because of the way our recording schedule goes, we don't really talk to each other, really get together and talk, especially right now in the offseason. There's like five days, which is a lifetime based on how often we talk to each other during the season. So the fact that we had to get down to it on Sunday night meant that we jumped on here. We messed around a little bit before we got on. We we got to start... Uh, recording those and putting those out <laughs> maybe, maybe a patreon for you guys that way uh that way arrowhead pride doesn't get in trouble with the stuff that we say <laughs> yeah there's no way this ends badly not at all uh okay so like i said at the beginning of the show what we're gonna do is we are going to redraft the 2018 draft class and it kind of just goes back a little bit to some of the conversations we had in the mailbag episode talking about you know how many players from the 2018 draft class you know, we thought we we're actually going to make the team. And I do want to just preface all of this by saying, yes, it's probably too early to redraft the draft. I'm under, I, we acknowledge that, um, all that being said, time's running out on a lot of the guys that the Chiefs picked because they got to show pulse. Uh, but we're going to just redraft anyway for fun. Uh, let's just go ahead and start with pick 46. Craig, you start us off. Who are you taking at pick 46? Before we get into that, I want to acknowledge that the poll that we put up on the pod article this week was split exactly down the middle as far as this over under two and a half that wow. we did Great earlier, line. two and a half draft picks. It was right down the middle. So, yeah, this is a fairly relevant conversation at 46. This is so easy for me. I am not taking Breland Speaks here. I'm taking Fred Warner because Fred Warner would complete this defense. They would have a will linebacker that could cover. They would have a dynamic impact defender at the second level that they've been missing for the past two seasons. Yes, even Bob Sutton could have figured out a way to put him on the field, make him be the kind of impact defender that we know that he can be now that he's been in the league a couple years. It's just an easy slam dunk pick for me. Fred Warner all the way. Yeah, if there was one choice in this draft redraft that I wanted to go first on, it was 46 because I knew Craig would take Fred Warner, and that's also who I'm taking. I can't even attempt to talk myself out of it. If anybody follows me on Twitter, I'm sorry, number one. But number two, you'll know that you know just about every other week I put a tweet out there talking about how great Fred Warner is and how the Chiefs could have had him. So this is no surprise. For my dollar, he's the best coverage linebacker in the NFL right now. This is coming off of two years. 
he may not be the best man coverage guy. He may not be the best in zone coverage, but just his IQ, athleticism, and his ability to do everything you could ever ask out of a coverage linebacker. And then the fact that he baits quarterbacks into throws. You saw him do that to Patrick Mahomes multiple times in the Super Bowl. He let Patrick Mahomes think there was a window before he closed it. He just shows another level of processing for a coverage linebacker. I think he's absolutely excellent, and he's no slouch in the run game. He just really makes his money as a coverage guy. Taking him at 46 could have completely changed the makeup of this roster, of this depth chart. I don't think Breland Speaks has offered a ton to the team over this time period, so it's not like you're going to be losing much as a pass rusher or anything like that. Fred Warner has easily been one of the 10 best players from this draft class as a whole. And he went to BYU. Come on, Andy. Like, seriously? And wasn't an old coming out. And was not an old coming out. Uh, I I think the answer is probably Fred Warner, but I'm also going to present another alternative because... Wrong. Today, I was talking a little bit on Twitter, and there's an article going up on Arrowhead Pride here. It might be up already. Um, You know, I I think the Chiefs should be really heavily investing in Patrick Mahomes. Uh, And if if the Chiefs go two of their top three picks every year on offense from here on out in his career, I think it's a very smart move. I think you continue to insulate him with weapons and protect him. I think you're always churning and burning. You're continually going and drafting aggressively with your top 100 picks on the offensive side of the football. And so let's go and grab DJ Chark, who is a is an outstanding vertical threat down the field. If he wants to just be the McCole Hardman role, he could do it. But I think he's a more complete receiver than that. Might even have some X potential um, or at least enough to you know allow the Chiefs to continue to move guys around. Had an extremely productive sophomore year, as a lot of receivers do. Whew would not be a terrible pick uh, 75 pick 75. Derek Nottie can stay. I think he's the one, you know, very solid contributor on this football team on the, uh, from the 2018 draft, Craig. Yeah. Uh, Derek Nottie is a no brainer for me here. I think we saw him grow throughout the season and especially there at the end of the year, as the defense was coming around, as you started to see them making strides, everybody being on the same page allowed Derek Nottie to do that kind of do your job plus that they've talked about a lot. Derek Nottie was an impact nose tackle as much as you can be for a one and a half down player as you, you know, for this front. So I expect big things from him going forward. I think that Derek Nottie is going to be a key for Steve Spagnolo in year three here. So yeah, for my money, you can't really go much worse than Derek Nottie here. I'm, I'm definitely taking him. I think the only person I would have drafted over him at this point in time is, I don't know, Martinez Rankin. Oh, wait, the Chiefs got him too. No, I'm kidding. I would have (laughs) definitely kept with Derek Nottie. I think since the pick came in, he's been quite good for the Chiefs. He very much is a rundown only player, but he's so good at it that it almost completely erases the whole value argument that you have against a guy like him because he is just quite simply so dominant in that role that he does change the game albeit only for you to roughly 40-50% of the snaps, but he does change the game significantly on those plays that you really would be a much worse team without him if you replaced him with somebody else. Taking somebody that does only play these limited snaps so high, I know caught a lot of flack, even from us at times, because even though we like the players, it just seems it was like a little early. But at this point in time, I've kind of turned, especially after watching the playoffs, I've kind of turned a corner. What he does just for that one and a half downs 
is so amazing that you just can't go, you can't go away from him. I don't think you could trade Derek Nottie for just about anybody else in this draft class that was drafted after him. Yeah, I mean, you could make an argument for Mark Andrews, uh, Michael Gallup, Orlando Brown. Th- those guys in between pick 75 and where the Chiefs picks, pick next, that's probably the list of guys that really have a great argument. Um, Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard, too. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. That's a good point. I think I had like a top 40 pick on Sam Hubbard. Top 40 mm-hmm. grade on Sam Hubbard when he's coming out. Um, okay, let's go to pick 100, Maddie. Where are we going for pick 100? So again, I got to peel back the curtain a little bit here. At pick 100, the way we did this was you had if you were going to redraft a player for a Kansas City Chiefs person, you could only take a player between the spot you were replacing and the next Chiefs pick. So for this particular pick, you only had 23 options. You had between pick 100 and pick 124 to select from. So not a very big player pool. So let me first say that. Second, as much trash as Dorian O'Daniel's caught from Chiefs fans alike just because he hasn't been able to get on the field there's not a lot that was taken right after him there was not a ton of talent the Chiefs missed on by taking Dorian O'Daniel at pick 100 but if I were to go back right now and get a pick again I would take tight end Chris Herndon out of Miami and it's kind of comes a little bit of surprise to people, but I think as a tight end too, you get a young guy that come in, he can play snaps immediately. You get a guy that needs some development time to get going behind Travis Kelsey. Chris Herndon with the Jets as a rookie had 500 yards and four touchdowns as a tight end playing with a rookie quarterback and whatever else the Jets fielded, which I'm pretty sure 98% of that roster is out of the league at this point in time. (laughs) Last year, he did miss the whole season with an injury, so he didn't get a chance to build on that rookie season, but 500 yards and four touchdowns is nothing to scoff at for a rookie tight end. That's pretty good numbers right there. That's going to challenge just about any receiver you're going to get at this point in the draft class. So get Patrick Mahomes help with this young tight end. And see, I'm staying on the offensive side of the ball as well here. I'm going with Michigan State's Brian Allen. Uh, The Rams drafted him. He was going to be the starter. He was the starter this past season, but he ended up suffering an MCL injury in week 10, kind of threw their offensive line a little bit into, you know, some chaos. He's not a particularly great moving center, and I don't know if Andy Reid will love that, but we've kind of seen a shift in the philosophy as of late. But getting a guy to replace Austin Ryder to have waiting in the wings for this was, you know, the last season for Mitch Morse here, having the backup at the ready under contract and a third round talent. I would have gone with Brian Allen here just to give Patrick Mahomes a little bit of consistency. We wouldn't be talking about some of the same interior offensive line issues that we have in the past. So replacing Dorian O'Daniel, like Maddie said, with these 23 guys, there just weren't a whole lot of options. But Brian Allen is a potential starter and protecting Patrick Mahomes. That's worth a lot to me in Andy Reid's system. I went with someone that's actually got some run here uh, for you know, the last two seasons. And I'm continually continuing to insulate Patrick Mahomes with more offensive players. I thought about Ian Thomas because I still believe in that in him a little bit. Um, but I'm going with Naheem Hines. Uh, a you know explosive player. I remember watching his tape, and he just he said some of the most enjoyable tape out of college. But he's a guy that has the pass catcher traits. He's got more catches in his career in the NFL. He's got over a hundred catches, uh, and then he does carries. I believe uh, that might be wrong. No, sorry, he has a hundred and seven catches. Sorry, he has a hundred seven catches to a hundred and thirty seven carries. Sorry, I flipped those, but it's still close. And he's got more yards as a receiver than he does as a rusher in his career. 
six touchdowns in his in his career two punt return touchdowns on top of that though there is some special teams value for dave tobe there is the pass catching ability at the running back position all right let's go to 124 pick 124 we had the rest of the board available you could basically take any picture player from 124 on and the the back end, the rounds four through seven in this draft has not looked particularly great. Like there's just not a ton of options based on what I'd taken in the past. I went with a player that the, the, the Seattle Seahawks went converted from safety to cornerback Trey flowers. He fits the length, uh, you know, in the physicality profile, um, the chiefs, you know, if Charvarius Ward can come in and, and play at the line of scrimmage, the way that he has, I see no reason why Trey Flowers couldn't do the same thing in Kansas City as a corner. For me, looking through everything else, I don't think there was a ton of talent on day three of this draft, but I think I feel like I was a little, feel a little bit stronger about it than Ken does. I think there's some guys out there that could definitely come in and play. I'm continuing the insulating Pat Trick Mahomes philosophy here. I'm getting more weapons from Mahomes. I'm taking Marquez Valdez Scantling. Wide receiver, Green Bay took him, I believe it was towards the end of the fifth round, if I'm not mistaken. But he's been one of the better deep threats out of these young receivers in the NFL. He's six foot four, over 200 pounds, but ran a sub 4-4. He can get vertical. Like Kent was talking about a little bit with DJ Chark, worst case scenario, you want to put him in the McColl Hardman role and just let him be a vertical threat or a yards after catch guy. Like You can factor in or make up, manufacture some touches for him. But with that size, there's a chance he can develop into a guy that works off the line of scrimmage. Through two years, he has over a thousand yards. He has four touchdowns, so he can play at this level. You just got to bring him along and develop him. And putting that speed and this wide open offense with his size, I think this kind of seeing a, only a thousand yards and four touchdowns seems like would be the very, very floor for him. Now, you guys are very clearly wrong here. There is a punter that I knew went it. just a handful I knew of I knew snaps this well after this. Well my guy, Michael Dixon, out of... No, I'm kidding. I do love Michael Dixon, but it ain't him. Guys, I'm doubling down on defensive tackle, and I'm going Maurice Hurst. Oh. I know Maurice Hurst had the heart condition that you know caused him to fall to this point in the Still draft. Still does. You, he could collapse on the field at any given time because... You absolutely. Know, whatever. That definitely is the case right now, <laughs> but he's made it through two seasons and has been a pretty good impact interior defensive lineman thus far in those two seasons. I At this point, you got to take the roll of the dice. I, I really like what Maurice Hurst brings to the table. I mean, he was a first round, legitimate first round talent in this draft that fell to this point because everybody is terrified that he is going to die on the field, especially if we don't get any football this year, which it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. But you basically got three years of Maurice Hurst for a fifth round pick. That's fantastic. That's good value. I don't care that they just took Derek Naughty. I don't care that you got Chris Jones as well. Just throw bodies at the interior there. Maurice Hurst lined up next to Chris Jones would be scary. Yeah, I wanted to go with Maurice Hurst too, but I feel like I've probably pounded that table a few times since we've talked about the 2018 draft, so that's why I didn't. And second, our local punter and kicker expert doesn't take Johnny Townsend to reunite the Townsend brothers in a punter's duel for the 2020 Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs) What a missed opportunity. Listen, Michael Dixon, if he was on this roster, oh man, are you kidding me? Dave Tobe, Dave Tobe, oh my goodness, he... Dave Tobe would have a problem if Michael Dixon was on this team. And I mean that in a good way. The problem would be that he wouldn't be on the field because Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is out here 
scoring points. All right, oh, man, he'd be awesome when he was on the t- on the field. He'd be <laughs> he so might force awesome. punts on third down, knowing Tobe's power. Uh, <laughs> that you know. Who knows? That that might not be too far off. All right, we're going to take a break, and we will be doing our season preview right after this. All right, we have been previewing the opponents for the 2020 season uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. We've gotten through the first four games. It's now time to do two more, and we will start with the Week 5 game the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, quality of roster, Craig. What you think? What uh, What do you think of what Mike Mayock and company have done out there in the in the desert now? Listen, I'm on record as liking Mike Mayock's draft from 2019. I actually like a lot of what they did in 2020 as well. I feel like they're building a good, solid roster. They definitely have a type. If you're from Clemson, guess what? Mike Mayock loves you. But I I do think that they've built some speed. I think they've got a good offensive line. I think they've got some pieces in the secondary there. They went out and got Corey Littleton. They got a couple pieces along the defensive line. There's some good pieces here with the exception of Derek Carr. Like, he just tanks the roster completely here, unfortunately, undoes all the goodwill that they've done with everything else here. I'm with Craig here. I think there's there's definitely some talent to be seen on this roster. I think there's a few more holes than a lot of people kind of want to poke at. I think the defensive line has some fun guys on it, but they really got to start to gel. I don't think Max Crosby is quite this force that everybody else doesn't think he had a lot of cleanup sacks. Cleveland Farrell, despite ridiculous, outrageous expectations from people like Mike Mayock and myself and everybody writing the AP draft guide last year, he kind of fell flat to start the season. He came on a little bit stronger, but he fell flat. Maurice Hurst is good, but he's not a all-around player. You know, he's not the most stout in the tackles. There's, there's holes on this team, especially in the secondary, which I'm not going to go through every player right now there, but the, the offense overall has talent in the trenches and they have added more talent to the wide receiver group. I just don't see any go-to guys. The quarterback is always going to hold them back. And then on the de- defensive side, whether you want to talk about pass rush or coverage, I just don't see the consistency that they have built into the roster just yet. Yeah, I think I think, you know, John Gruden and Mike Mayock have actually done a pretty good job of building this building this thing in a couple of years. You know, I think a Khalil Mack might have helped still. Uh, but that's just me. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they've, they've done some really good stuff along their offensive line. They've gotten some good weapons. They've, you know, they got some decent pieces along their defensive line. I've got some Derek Carr takes I'm saving because I do agree with Craig's sentiment. It all falls on Derek Carr. It really does. Uh, okay. Uh, let's go quality of staff, Maddie. As much as I like to throw at John Gruden and Mike Mayock and just the way this whole organization's run, I think they've done a pretty good job. John Gruden took a step away from football, has come back, and he has somehow found a way to bring his old school style of coaching and team building to the modern NFL and adapt relatively well for it. There's still some game time issues. I don't know if Greg Olson is ready to really command everything, but that's what you still have John Gruden there for. And just there's some issues on game day. I don't love everything that they do, but the way he's been able to blend kind of his old school smash mouth style with the modern NFL and trying to understand that passing means more 
more that space matters. He's done a relatively good job at that. I think the issue has been more from the team building aspect rather than the talent they have coaching on the sidelines. I think John Gruden still does fun stuff. Like he calls fun plays. I mean, he had trick plays up his sleeve that he realized basically they weren't going to get to use in any meaningful way. He called a mesh concept with an eligible tackle against the Chiefs this year <laughs> in the red zone. It was fun. It's fun stuff. So I do think that John Gruden is still a pretty decent, you know, offensive mind there. I don't like Greg Roman. He does decent with the run game, but I just think that he's kind of an anchor on this offense a little bit. And Greg yeah, Olson? I'm, Greg Olson. Or not yes. Greg. Is it Greg Olson? It's, you said Greg uh, Roman, sorry. Oh, I said Greg Roman. Oh, Greg Roman is definitely not. Greg Olson is, <laughs> though. Yeah, sorry about that. And then, yeah, Paul Gunther is not a particularly good defensive coordinator in my mind. So, they, they're really kind of lacking at their assistant coaching positions. I'm a little surprised that they didn't try and move on, make some upgrades at some positions here, but that that's what they're stuck with. So I feel like the Chiefs are just definitely going to have a head and shoulders coaching advantage again this year. They've got continuity. I'll give it that to them. You know, they, yeah. they've done a good job. I mean, like that they've actually really kind of built some stability within that organization, even if, you know, you might not agree with the fact that they've done it in some regard. New addition, Craig. Well, the new addition that I really like on this is not the receiver that everybody else is maybe thinking. I really like Brian Edwards. We really were big Brian Edwards fans. I, I know that everybody's going to hang on their first round pick that I'm sure somebody else is going to choose here in a second. But I think that they are set up very well with this tandem. And I think Brian Edwards has a chance to come in and be a kind of boss NFL receiver pretty quickly here. I don't think that his adjustments to the game are going to be quite as severe as some of the other guys in his draft range here. And I think he's got the body type to do everything that they will want him to do there in Oakland. So I really like him as a new addition to the squad. I think for me, it's Prince of Mukamara and it's a later free agency signing. It's a guy they brought in kind of late. But when you start looking through their secondary, there is a lot of youth. They have some guys that are returning. They have some other veterans there. But it's mostly a lot of youth, especially at the outside corner spots. They have a lot of young guys that maybe are a little bit more limited in what they feel comfortable with doing right now. Bringing in Prince and Mukamara gives them somebody that has played in just about every scheme imaginable. He's very, very used to playing kind of a cover or a match zone system, which is what they mostly are going through at this point in time. I think he's still a quality player. I think he's a little underrated because in times in his career, he was asked to be the guy and it never quite worked out. But when he's just the second or third corner on the team, he's always been a very competent player. So I think bringing him in was a good, smart move for the Raiders. A little disappointed the Chiefs couldn't have swung him to come in, but I think he was just a really good addition for them to bring on late in the process. Wow, are you just going to leave this on a, on a platter for me? Guys, thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, Henry Ruggs. Is now in Oakland Ra- or Las Vegas, Va- Las Ra- the Las Vegas Raider. I've got to learn that one. I'm nah, nah. They're the San Diego Chargers and the Oakland Raiders still. Uh, I know. I'd, I'm not. Gonna- and the Seattle Seahawks, all part of the AFC West. I've been trying really hard to say Las Vegas Raiders, and it's so hard to to fight myself to do that. But Henry Ruggs is a guy. I think we all would have. You know, there was rumors that Henry Ruggs, for some reason, might fall into the 20s, and we were like, the Chiefs should go draft him, just go up and get him. Uh, but no, that that opportunity didn't present itself, and now the Chiefs have to see him twice a year. 
uh, he's got a chance to be absolutely electric, big play potential, um, unreal speed. I uh, big fan of his game, but it all falls on this and it's our players to watch. And I'm going to start with Derek Carr. Derek Carr is, 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 is been presented a lot of really quality football players around him. He has even Tyrell Williams, the wide receiver that they got in free agency. He's not bad either. Uh, Henry Ruggs, Josh Jacobs, a really solid offensive line. If he can't do it with this group, then they're going to move on. And I don't really want him to move on in next year's draft because I think there's some good quarterbacks to be had. And I'd rather them, you know, I'd rather them, you know, maybe wait it out or Derek Carr show enough. But there's a ton of talent on this football team offensively. Uh, but it's still Derek Carr. It's up to him. So he's the player to watch for me. You know, it's funny. Derek Carr is the third best quarterback on this team behind Marcus Mariota and Lynn Bowden. But yeah, you know, that's <laughs> I thought that, you were gonna go with Nathan Peterman and I was about to I was about no, to No, no, no. Listen, <laughs> I got a line that I have to draw here. It it's Nathan Peterman. Uh Corey Littleton is my player to watch. I feel like Corey Littleton can help them to try and counteract some of the Chiefs' speed. It's not going to solve everything for him, but he is a guy that I think is going to be a very underrated signing by the end of the year here. A lot of people are gonna be talking about how they got a little bit of a steal with him, even though they did pay him plenty. I think Corey Littleton can help change that front a little bit. They needed speed on that second level. The rest of their linebackers are terrible. I know they just put Tanner Muse in there, and he might be a guy by the end of the year that's playing for him, but Corey Littleton is going to be the day one guy to play that Mike role for him, and then in the nickel, play that kind of coverage linebacker role. He's going to kind of help change that defense. So I, I'm watching Corey Littleton. You know who's not going to help them defend the Chiefs' speed? One first-round pick, <laughs> Damon Arnett. It doesn't matter how much you want to climb up on Twitter and try to come at people for saying that you aren't an elite athlete. You can't come out and run a 4.5. I don't care if Mike Mayock clocked you at a 4.4 toasted. You are not going to go out there and line up against Tyree Kill. Cole Hardman, Sammy, you aren't even going to go out there and line up against Travis Kelsey and try to run for them stride for stride down the field. You can go ahead and get on Twitter, yell at people all you want who might question your athleticism. That's fine. You can be mad about it. Don't make promises you can't keep Damon Arnett because I will now watch every single Raiders game to see if you can even make it on the field to get toasted. We have res- we have receipts and screenshots. <laughs> you, you, it's funny. Because Matt went last here, so you might call Damon Arnett the other other player to watch. <laughs> well, and now they brought in Prince and Mukamara, so he's the other other corner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Let's move on to week six. <laughs> what? Well done, Matthew. Uh, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. Uh, a very tough game. The Chiefs will be going to Buffalo. What's the quality of the roster to you, Craig? It's really good. It's really good. This is one of the few teams in the AFC that has a really good roster right now, especially on defense. They've got a lot of stars on defense there. They've got a Decent interior offensive line. Josh Allen is fun. Whether or not he's completing the passes or not, he is fun. They've got some decent weapons as well. Adding Stephon Diggs was a major, major coup for them. 
they're lacking a little bit in depth, but I do like their starting lineup quite a bit here, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, going from the Raiders to this roster is quite staggering. Like this, this is a very complete starting unit that not only has very little holes to talk about, but they have playmakers on just about every level of the offense and defensive side of the ball. I think if you're going to find one weakness, it's going to be the right side of the offensive line with second year Cody Ford and John Feliciano. But even that, like if that's the biggest weakness you can poke at is a guard and a second year right tackle that did show some promise, like that means you have a really good roster going on. And like Craig said, they added some guys to help bolster secondary that was already a little bit of a strength. They have playmakers in the middle of their defense on the linebacker position and defensive line. Like this is a very good roster. This roster will go as far as Josh Allen will run them because we know he is not going to throw them anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they've uh, they've got really good depth up front along their defensive line. I mean, they run a really quality two deep. They've got um, some good players in the secondary. They brought Josh Norman in. Uh, Trey Davis lights one of the best cornerbacks in the National Football League. He's one of the 10 best, maybe even higher than that. Um, this is a really quality football team. And there's, I think the thing I like about the offensive side of the ball is I think there's still some ascending players. Um, I think a Dawson Knox, a Devin Singletary, you still have not yet to see their best football. You might even, you might be able to say that about Stefan Diggs, even frankly, which is kind of scary. It just depends on, on the guy slinging the rock. Uh, we'll get there in a second though. Um, okay. Let's go to uh, the quality of the staff, Maddie. This staff is somehow not somehow. Okay. So Sean McDermott has been an excellent head coach. He has been, he has done his, the job he has done in Buffalo with the hand he was dealt to start is one of the best in the NFL over that time period. He is very good on game day, building the roster, setting a coach like Sean McDermott is a great head coach. Brian DeBull, I feel like uh, Chiefs fans are probably a little skewed about prior experiences with him, but he's been pretty good for the Bills too. Like he's done a good job there. I think he's helped Josh Allen a lot. He could do more to help him in the future. And I think that is still a little bit of a weakness. They don't draw up things and make everything easy, but they've done a good job kind of introducing stuff that makes it easy. So like, I like what their coaching staff has done, but Sean McDermott is clearly on his way to being one of the best NFL head coaches right now. Yeah. I love what Sean McDermott just kind of designs up to his blitz packages are phenomenal. And he and Leslie Frazier work really, really well together to develop and really maximize these defensive players. It's, it's one thing to have all the talent that the Buffalo Bills have on their roster, and they do have a ton of raw talent on that side of the ball. But Frazier and McDermott do an excellent job of putting it together and maximizing it on game day. And that's what makes them such an elite unit year in and year out under these two. I do agree with Maddie, but you know, Debol is is fine. He's nothing to really write home about. I do like what Ken Dorsey has done with John, you know, Josh Allen so far, but they definitely have some things that they need to clean up a little bit with him. But yeah, it's going a little bit night and day from an assistant coach standpoint, going from the Raiders to this setup. Yeah, Brian Dayball, uh, I kind of lean closer to what Maddie thinks of him, honestly. Uh, I know Chiefs are skew, skewed, have a skewed perception of him because of the Peyton Hillis year. Um, you know, I believe that was the year he was the offensive coordinator. He's a young guy, but I think since then, you know, he's really, I man, I think he's done a fantastic job there with what he's got. Um, I think it falls on Josh Allen's ability to develop consistency. Maddie, you can just save your jokes for later. Um, but 
you know, I, I think, you know, he's put them in as good a situation as they possibly can, frankly. And I really like what he's done there. Um, let's go with new addition, Craig. New addition, AJ Epinesa in the second round is an absolute monster in this defense. He is high sack potential, high run defense potential. He is going to filter in here. You know, he's behind Jerry Hughes right now. Who knows how long that'll last. I just really like what they're going to be able to do rotating, like Kent said, rotating their two deep defensive line. A.J. Epinesa has a chance to be a defensive rookie of the year candidate because of the system that he's in and the way that they're going to use him. They're going to maximize him. They're going to make him a great player. I really, really like that A.J. Epinesa landed here. I'm going to stick with the defensive line, but go across to the other side. I'm going to go with Mario Addison, who came over from Carolina. He was with Sean McDermott there, I believe, for a couple years briefly. But he's over 30 years old. He still had nine sat nine and a half sacks two years ago, nine sacks last year. You look at this Bills roster, and they are very deep. It's a very quality team, but they don't have a star pass rusher, and they still don't. Even with, I mean, you hope A.J. Epinesa evolves into one jerry hughes is kind of like every three years he decides to be an elite edge rusher it's a very weird career arc he goes through but you add mario addison to that group you now all of a sudden have a guy on any given week who can be a dominant edge rusher in that game i just think getting mario addison across from these other weapons with the defensive tackles they have on the inside he adds a little bit more of a consistent pass rush guy that has some experience i think that's really going to help a defense that otherwise besides this is extremely stacked I wrote down three names for new addition. You took two of them. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. I'll go with Stefan Diggs. Thanks for just oh, man. difficult. Te- yeah, you guys teeing them up for me tonight. I'm still stumbling over my words. Uh, you know, like Stefan Diggs, I think he, I think he's still a descending player. Like I said earlier, I think he's a great route runner. I still think he has. Um, I, I think he's one of the 15 best receivers. You might be able to even make an argument for a little bit higher than that, frankly. Um, and he's going to be put in a situation where he's going to get a lot of targets. I think, I think they're going to try to get the ball early and often to him and he's not having to share it with a guy like Adam Thielen. Uh, you know, I don't think Cole Be- Beasley's really eaten into his time, you know, his opportunities all that much. Um, but he's, he's a, he has a chance to be a really key piece to helping develop Josh Allen. And speaking of Josh Allen players to watch. This whole thing, this whole, this all this is the same thing. Both quarterbacks that we talked about today, it all rides on them because there's uh, there's enough around them to do some th- damage. And f- in Josh Allen's case, there's enough there's enough around him to do some serious damage. You could see him in the AFC Championship kind of damage. It's all on him. And as if he's a if he's able to develop consistency from play to play. I think he made some improvements last year, believe it or not. I still think there are some egregious mistakes in his game that you just you can't explain. I think he gets a little bit too impatient, but even then I think he mitigated some of the uh, you know mistakes that he made. If he can keep protecting the football better, if he can develop consistency, you know, inside 15 yards, I think there's a chance that he could really take another step with all the talent around him. My guy Tremaine Edward or Tremaine Edmonds. (laughs) I really loved that. He went to Buffalo. He needed some seasoning. He needed some help with this processing. He is a freak athlete at the Mike linebacker role. And he went to the place that could develop him to be his best self. 
And I think that you've seen him over the past two years really blossom into one of the league's best linebackers. That's only going to continue. I think that he's got a chance to have a true breakout breakout year. I mean, he's already kind of broken out a little bit, but had a real breakout year be considered one of the league's top linebackers by everybody be a national household name a little bit here. So I, I just, I'm frankly scared of seeing him <laughs> and, you know, against Kansas city on a short week on a Thursday night, because he's just going to be, you know, everywhere in that game. We have to quit putting me behind Craig when it's a linebacker option type <laughs> question because now I don't want to pick Tremaine Edmonds as well. I will say Lamar Jackson still has nightmares of Tremaine Edmonds just racing him to the sideline and burying him after two yards unlike no other linebacker last year. But alas, I will go to the offensive side of the ball and I will go with John Brown. I think John Brown with his speed and now the fact that they've added the best route runner in the NFL and Stefan Diggs across from him, it's going to take a ton of pressure on him. He's about to get the Adam Thielen treatment where he's seeing like number two corners and one-on-one coverage as everything is shifted away from Stefan Diggs. I think there's a chance that John Brown's going to be even more open than he was last year. Now, it does all fall back to, as Kent said, Josh Allen to get him the ball. But last year, John Brown was the number one receiver. He was the guy getting the most attention, and he still had multiple plays where he was getting open. He had some really nasty routes there in the playoffs that they were able to connect on. Some they weren't. You now make him the clear-cut number two wide receiver with Josh Allen's big arm. There might be just some times where Josh Allen can heave it up there and let John Brown run underneath it because he's not going to be dealing with safeties over the top as good as Stephon Diggs is. So I think John Brown could be in for a huge year just with the amount of offense they've added around him. All right, that is going to do it for the Wednesday edition of the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. Be sure to check out the AP Editor Show on Thursday. We'll be back on Monday with the mailbag. We'll catch you later.